Hey, welcome to the Juice Bar Experts podcast, where we are going to give you tips, tools, strategies for launching a new juice bar or scaling and increasing the profitability and efficiency in your existing juice bar. I'm your host, Andrew McFarlane. For the last 10 years, I've been in the juice bar business, running my own juice bars, as well as helping hundreds of entrepreneurs all around the world launch successful juice businesses. So without further ado, let's get into it. Hey guys, so I am really excited to bring you guys this episode today because if you haven't started a juice business yet, I'm sure you are thinking about the multitude of business models that you could potentially launch your business with. And so in this episode, I'm actually going to break down the pros and cons of all popular juice bar models. So literally going from everything from online delivery to the farmer's markets model to opening juice bars inside of a gym to a food truck. And then eventually I want to break down uh, the storefront business model as well. So hopefully by the end of this, you'll have some clarity on which direction you want to go and what the things are you got to think about as you are considering this. So without further ado, let's actually start with the online delivery model. What are some of the pros or benefits of taking this approach to your business? Now, the obvious one is cost. It's a low cost startup. You could do this for in the range of twenty to thirty thousand dollars because you don't have a lot of physical infrastructure naturally all you're really wanting to put a lot of your time and energy into is the equipment the place that you're going to produce your product naturally you also have to get a proof from the health department to make sure you're doing it legitimately and then your marketing and your delivery mechanism so this is a really ideal approach for a lot of startups because of the low barrier to entry, but as you'll find as I'm going through this talk today is a lot of the things that work for you can work against you. So uh, let's talk about the next thing, which you can say is a maybe a con or something that's a hindrance is to run this kind of business, you have to be really great at marketing because that is going to be the primary way that you're interfacing with your client through your online paper and other marketing efforts. You don't have the benefit of, let's say, like a juice truck or a storefront or even at farmer's markets where you get to interface with your customer one-on-one -on -one and they become aware of your brand because of your physical presence. When your business is strictly online, it's going to be a little bit of word, and mouth, word of mouth through friends and family, but most of your business is really going to have to come from your marketing efforts. And so if you're not great at marketing and that is the crux of your business, then you better make sure you find someone who can help you uh, and you're confident that you're going to be able to execute. So really, really, as always, invest time and energy into your marketing strategy. What's another one of the downsides of this business model? Like I said before, the things that work for you can also work against you. There's low barrier to entry. This means that it's very easy for other people to compete with you. And that's something that you always want to think about when starting a business is what is your ability to maintain your position? Not just get into a specific position, but to maintain your position. And when your business is all online 
and it doesn't cost a lot to get in, then other people can jump in and maybe even take position over you. What's another one of the downsides that I want to talk about? And this is a really, really big one. This would probably be my biggest aversion to starting this kind of business as an initial launch. And it is the lack, it's, a, it's, it's the low touch nature of this approach. I'm going to dive into this a bit more. So in the process of developing a business, it's really important that you have the capacity to iterate through feedback, meaning that really understanding what your customers' needs are. If they like your product, they don't like your product. When you have a storefront or a farmer's market or you have a business model that allows you to interface with your customers where you can have real conversations with them in real time, it's really easy to figure out what they want and what they don't want. When you have an online delivery business, this can be a lot more challenging because you might find where you never see your customer. You drop the bottles off in some cold case at their door, at their office, and you don't have a lot of time to engage with them. Or maybe it's not even you doing that work directly. So if that's the case, it's going to be really hard to figure out if things aren't going well, why? What direction do you want to shift in? And so this is a really big issue when it comes to the online approach. Let's move on. Let's talk about the other business model. Let's talk about farmers markets. Similar to the previous model, getting into the farmers markets can be generally pretty low cost, which is definitely a benefit for any startup business, uh, depending on how you look at it. Okay, uh, Farmers markets are amazing environments for your target customer, meaning people who go to farmers markets are generally really inspired by local, organic, fresh produce. They're really invested in their health. And this means that they're not really a hard sale. You usually have high concentrations of these individuals. And so that is a really, really great benefit in terms of getting into a farmer's market. What are some of the potential downsides? Okay. In general, you're not going to be at a farmer's market seven days a week. Usually it's going to be a couple to maybe three times a week at most in your local area. And so although you can do financially well during the times that you're there, you know, I know we've had clients who uh, subsidize their storefronts with farmer's markets and they, they can do $2,000 in a given farmer's market, which is not too bad. That's a great uh, sale number, you know, anywhere between $1,500 to $2,000, $2,500. You're doing pretty good. But the downside is if you can only do that three times a week, that means you're looking at a $6,000 give or take uh, week. And then therefore, you know, you're doing 24,000 in the month. It's not bad, but it's not phenomenal for a business that you're going to be running potentially full time. So because when you start to get to that kind of volume, you're going to need staff, you're going to need employees, you're going to need, you know, you have to have a commercial kitchen or an approved kitchen nonetheless. So there's all these things that you have to think about. And if you can't really make sure that your upside potential is worth it, then then you got to consider other approaches. Farmers markets are great for brand exposure as well. So if you want to expose your target demographic to your product to build brand, maybe this is to attract investors and so on. Great. It's a great platform to start from if you don't have the ability to uh, to explore other options. So um, I'd say that there are definitely benefits of farmers markets. Uh, 
Farmer's market subsidized with a store is amazing on its own. It's really, really good, uh, but definitely has its own kind of limitations. Okay, moving on. Let's talk about opening up a juice bar inside of a gym or fitness studio. So this could be a yoga studio, a dance studio, a Pilates studio, any sort of fitness-focused place. Now, what are the benefits to opening up inside of this kind of environment? Once again, potentially low startup costs because you're not going to be building out a really large space. Uh, you have, you're not the primary leaseholder, so there's definitely a benefit relatively in, in, your, in, in having the burden of a really uh, heavy and hefty lease. Um, there's another benefit in, in actually being in direct contact with your target demographic. So even more so than in a farmer's market where someone can go to a farmer's market and yeah, they might want to be grocery, they might be in a situation where they're grocery shopping for their family for the week or, but they might not be in a place where they're immediately hungry in that moment. So they'd have to plan to purchase whatever they're purchasing for maybe later on. When you're talking about people who have just finished working out or are just about to work out, people are, they couldn't be more ripe to put high quality nutrients into their body. So this means that you are very likely to have on the low side a 30% conversion of whatever that total daily customer is, uh, customer base is. And so it's really, really great because of how warm and how excited people are for that kind of product. Now, what are some of the other upsides? Is you could potentially find yourself in a relationship with a gym owner that is willing to finance the entire project for you. The reason being is because if you are solely an operator and you give them the ability to have flexibility in your contract, they know that that infrastructure that is built out is going to stay with their gym and they own it. And so it brings value to their business in a lot of ways because when someone is signing up for the gym, being able to say, hey, we've got a juice bar inside just makes that gym that much more valuable. And if they don't have to think about the operations, even better. So you might have to find out what the creative relationship and agreement is uh, on terms of how much you're going to pay for rent, how much the upfront is. Maybe you end up paying for the equipment. Maybe they pay for the infrastructure, uh, which I would say is probably a, a respectful agreement. Or maybe they pay for all of it and they own all of it and you just come in as the operator. Um, so that's, there's a lot of benefits. I really love this model for so many reasons. What are some of the downsides? Okay, one, you're going to be in a place where you're probably not going to find a lot of outside customers because you may need a membership to enter that gym. And so there's a lot of reasons why most of your customers are going to have to come from that gym. And therefore, there could be a liability in the fact that you are not the gym owner and you can't essentially dictate the future of that company. That gym owner could do something that could be really bad for the customer base. Who knows what it is, but you're not in control of that. And so if they end up starting to have a downturn in a lot of their uh, customers, because maybe another gym opens up or maybe they do something that, you know, puts them in a negative light in the community, we don't know what it could be, but you're going to be a victim to the numbers of that gym. So that's a pretty big downside. I would say just as a tip, uh, this is sort of a caveat. 
If you can, make sure that you own the brand. So brand yourself separate from that gym because you may find that at some point you want to branch out beyond the gym. Maybe you want to open a storefront. Maybe you want to open your juice bar inside of other gyms. And it's just really good to be to have your own identity as opposed to running and operating a gym, uh, juice bar inside of a gym that is branded as the gym. So I would imagine most juice gym owners would be flexible with you. And so just make sure that you take that approach. But overall, this is a great model. The last thing that I'll say is make sure that you don't end up in a gym that is not doing well and they're hoping to revitalize their income through adding a juice bar to the business because that's a huge liability. You don't want to be in that situation where everything is contingent on the juice bar. Um, you want to more so look at what their total numbers are regularly and do some math and figure out what 30% of that might look like in terms of your gross sales and then make the decision based on that. But overall, like I said before, I really like the gym model and uh, it's something that I would, I would recommend you guys consider as we're having this conversation about business models. The next thing that I want to talk about is the juice truck mobile juice bar business model. I have a lot of experience with this. Personally, when I started my juice business, it was with a juice truck. Um, there are a lot of benefits, but there's a lot, also a lot of downside, and so we're going to break that out down right now. So like the previous ones, it's low startup cost. Most of the time when people are thinking about the juice truck model, they're thinking about getting into it because it doesn't cost a lot to start, and I should say a lot. Uh, comparatively compared to a store you could get into a juice truck for between twenty and fifty thousand dollars total startup capital depending on if you how much work you do on the truck to outfit it customize it what kind of equipment you use are you cold pressing so on and so forth but overall it's pretty easy to get into what's another benefit to the truck it's really novel people love it it's uh, something that's kind of creates a fun experience around your brand so for the sake of brand equity it's really really it's got a uh, it creates a good atmosphere for the clients um, another benefit is clearly it's mobile so if you're in a space and a location that's not working for you then you can decide oh I want to move somewhere else let's find another corporate account that we can go to you have a lot of flexibility in terms of the space being mobile um, just a caveat if you are planning on going this route as you may have heard me mention in other episodes, it's really important to plan your route ahead of time. Don't make the mistake of going and leasing a truck and then saying, okay, we're going to figure out where our market is. I think a lot of people overestimate the value of their business in the sense that they believe that people are just going to flock to them. They're going to be you know, chasing them around the city trying to drink their juice. They won't be. You have to be in a place where it's convenient for your customers. And so you want to make sure you scope those places out ahead of time and you're very clear on what the regulations are for the health department in terms of where you can park and what kind of things you have to have in place in order to be in a legal space. Um, so in the same way, let's transition into some of the cons or detriments of this sort of model. Now, the first one I'll start with is parking. If you are in a city and you're not in a place with ample parking, it can be really hard to find a good spot uh, just by the nature of good locations, which would be a place where there's a lot of people. Usually there's not a lot of parking because if there's a lot of people around, they've all got cars. They've taken up all the spots, right? What's another one of the downsides? And this is a big one. The space is small, right? And not small in the sense that it's just a matter of your, your working environment, but it's small in terms of how much produce and inventory you can hold 
you have to really consider what the best case scenario is. So just to tell you about a little bit of my story is, you know, we, would, we were doing really well at a certain period of time to the point where we were selling out of everything inside of the truck, sometimes midday or slightly later. And we could really only do about $800 to $1,000 in sales a day before we ran out of most things because the nature of juice is produce takes up a lot of space. And when you're juicing it, you don't have a lot of, you're, you're using a lot of produce. And so for us, what we realized is that one, we had the same overhead, monthly overhead, in terms of our expenses between the truck rent, the commissary rent, our gas, our parking tickets, as we would with a store. We were paying over $4,000 a month between these uh, four elements I just mentioned. And we were only really able to make somewhere between twenty-five dollars and $30,000 a month. And, you know, based on your, all of your expenses, our net income was good, but it wasn't something to, you know, write about and, and, and scream from the rooftops about. It was okay, but we were working really hard. And so we started to really look at and ask ourselves the question of what is the true upside potential of anything that we're going to walk, walk into? Because if I'm going to put 110% of my dedication, time, and effort into something, I want to make sure that it's actually worth that. It's worth my time. It's worth my energy. And what we came to realize is that although the business was going almost as good as it could go, we outgrew it. And so just like the farmer's markets and just like many other business models, it could be a good stepping stone. But be aware if you walk into it that you're doing it for that reason. It's important that you don't have these unrealistic expectations as far as you know launching a juice truck and thinking that it's going to make you a millionaire because most likely it won't so um, for those reasons I would say it's you know I don't have the fondest experience around a truck it's good but it's you know got its limitations so lastly let's talk about my favorite model which is the storefront now what are some of the benefits in having a storefront Naturally, you can be open seven days a week, unlike a farmer's market, like I mentioned. You can be open for longer hours, and you can appeal to a wide audience of people. You don't have limitations of your exposure. Okay, Here's another one. High perceptual and experiential brand value. When you have a store, for whatever reason, and I don't know, I have a sense of the psychology, I can't define it exactly, but people just value your business more. They take you more seriously. And because of that, they inherently spend more money. We had this realization because we went from having a truck, which was decorated nicely, it was a beautiful truck, to opening a store. And we found that if we had 100 customers at the truck, those same 100 customers at our store spent twice the amount. So there's something about the perceptual and brand and experiential value of having a store that makes people invest more money. The other thing that I mentioned is that Unlike an online business, with the storefront, you're going to have more feedback. This also applies to the gym. This also applies to farmer's markets. And with a store, you can be in direct connection with your client base, which means that if they don't like something, you can help them change it. Now, with a farmer's market, because you're not making drinks there, you can't adjust someone's recipe. If they don't like something, maybe you can give them another drink, but you can't say, oh, that drink was too sweet or too bitter or whatever. Let's make you another one and let's draw down the sweetness, right? You can't adjust things in that direction because you're not making the drinks there most of the time. But with a store, you are, and so you can adapt 
because it's a really great asset to your business to be able to, to shift and change things. So that's another really, really great aspect to having a store. What's another one? The fact that you actually have a physical location makes it hard for other people to compete with you and enter the market. And when I say hard, I should not say that it's, it's harder because of that. It discourages people, right? Unlike the online business, people don't want to enter a market. If they notice that you're on the corner and you're doing well, they're going to go, well, you know what? It doesn't make us, it's not wise to come in and compete with that business. Now, if you're not doing well and you're executing poorly, then it actually becomes maybe more of an incentive for people to enter the market. Um, but let's assume that you're doing everything the way that you should, then that really discourages people because you have physical space. And as we know, there's only so much real estate on the planet. So um, it's really, really great to just have dominion over a certain territory. The other element that I want to mention is when you have a store, you have a, usually a significant production kitchen. This means that you can pretty much do everything that any other business model can do, meaning you can do the online delivery, you can do the farmer's markets, right? You can open up kiosks in other places. I mean, those things are going to cost you money, but it's it's not as significant as opening up a storefront to begin with. So uh, it, it's easy to delineate into other models when you have a storefront. Now, let's talk about some of the downsides. Naturally, opening up a store is going to be a larger investment. Most of our clients are investing anywhere between $100,000 on up, $100,000 to $250,000 on average. So in order to get into a store, it's not going to be cheap. It's not like opening a truck, and we all know this because you have more infrastructure to build out. There's just a lot more that goes into it. But the upside potential is also higher. People are gonna invest more, and most of the time, 99 times out of 100, your opportunity for increased cash flow is a lot higher with a store. What's another one of the downsides? Well, if you end up in a bad location, you can't just get up and move, right? Like When you commit to a lease, you're committing, and that's why it's really important to make sure beforehand that you're going to be in a good location because if you're not, that could make things really challenging long-term because, uh, you know, as they say, location, 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 and we can't say it enough. So uh, you got to be aware of that. Now, in conclusion, I just want to say that, you know, we see many business models that work. Many, they all work. We've seen, because... What happens is people think about this conversation and they think one business model is better than the others. And yes, there are certain things. Like we didn't even talk about wholesaling. There's a reason that I don't, I mean, what I'll just say is I don't love wholesaling in an initial phase unless you can do massive volume because the reason is when you end up in retailers, places, they don't care about your business. That's not their primary service. If it's inside of a yoga studio or a grocery store, they're not concerned with selling your product. And so there's a lot of challenges in terms of managing and getting your product off the shelf that you have to be concerned with. Not to say it can't go well, but also you're going to have lower margin and you're in a high volume, low margin business. And so to even reduce your margin more means that in order for you to really make money, you have to do very high volume. It's even more than you would with a storefront in order for it to start to make sense. Um, so for that reason, I don't love wholesaling. But getting back to the conclusion is there is no perfect model. 
there are models that I have a preference for for certain reasons because I've experienced many of them. Um, I usually like to lean towards what the highest upside potential is, and generally that's with a storefront because of what I said before. Uh, but it's not to say that you can't be successful with a food truck. It's not to say that you can't be successful just doing farmer's markets um, or doing online delivery. There are so many ways that you can approach this business if you decide um, to go one way or another. So that being said, if you guys ever need support, as always, you can reach me at Andrew at JuiceBarExperts.com. would be happy to discuss how we might be able to help you with any of these models and hope this podcast episode was informative and helpful to you guys, and we'll see you guys at the next episode.